Hi, my name is Rhett Barton, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Who's excited to be at church today? Can I hear a good amen if you are? Hey, before we go any further, I want to welcome our online church family. Come on, all those at the Nippa Civic Center, throw your hands. Welcome our family who are joining us online today. Come on, we love you. Come on, you guys, let them know. I do want to take a minute and look in the camera and just tell you guys how much we love you. We appreciate you. Uh, you are our family. Uh, some of you are a family all the way up in Alaska right now. Everybody, we got people in Alaska joining us right now. How cool is that? Uh, <laughs> We've got far pe people as far south as Alabama, my hometown as well, and all across the valley. And I just want you to know, man, we love you. If there's anything you ever need, we're here for you. I know there may be distance, but there's a beautiful thing about the presence of God is that distance doesn't keep him away. So if you have needs or you need something, please let us know, email us, and uh, we're here for you. And so anyway, all that to say, come on, Nina Pacific Center, throw your hands together one more time. Let everybody know how much you love them. You're our family. It's great to have you with us today. So, uh, like I said, man, we're starting a new series today. We're calling Pray First. Come on, say Pray First. Pray First. I cannot wait to bring it. Uh, if you've been joining with us over the past month, you've noticed that I have not been delivering the messages. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to love me enough to give me the opportunity to kind of be poured into as well. Um, this past month, we obviously had our overseers come in and speak and love on you and add value to you. And, and honestly, more than that, it really just meant so much to my heart to get a chance, again, just to be poured into. And I just want to say thank you for that. But all that to say, when you have that much time off on a Sunday, okay, he kind of like revs you up a little bit. In other words, I, I don't know if I'm going to preach really good today, but y'all go with me. I'm excited, okay? So my passion will make up for my lack of grace in this message, but I am excited. I really feel like I have a word from God for you and for me and for our world right now, and I cannot wait to jump into it. But before I do, I uh, just want to remind you of a couple things. Everybody say small groups. Small groups. What are small groups? My friends, they are groups that are small. Uh, we do small groups in, uh, semester, in semesters. We have three semesters. Right now we're kind of in a break in between our summer semester and our fall semester. What does it look like? It basically looks like this. It's a great place to gather with friends um, and just have a good time because we honestly believe that God teaches us that life changes. It really does. It happens in relationships. And we are not a church that just does small groups. No, we are a church of small groups. And there is a difference. Like if there was only one thing we did, and by the way, we did this during the pandemic, uh, we would only do small groups. Why? Because it's that important. And in fact, it is the biblical model as well as what we do on Sunday. So all that to say, if you were in a small group and through that, you were like, man, I would love to lead a small group. Well, guess what we're offering here in the next couple of weeks? We're offering small group leadership training. And so this is an opportunity, whether or not you want to lead a group or you just want to come check out how we do it, what it's like, what are the expectations. And this is the bottom line. If I can wrap up this meeting in one sentence, you ready? Don't change your life to lead a group. Do what you're already doing. We can teach you how to add Jesus to what you're already doing. And I'm telling you, those small groups that are having a blast, they're already meeting. They're already having fun. They're just creating a, a small group around it, and they're inviting others to come. And I'm telling you, can I get a good amen from all of those who are enjoying small groups and how much they've meant to you? I got one person over here. Thank you. At least I got some people online giving me some hearts, right? How, no, for real, how many of you are enjoying small groups? Be honest. You loving it? 
I'm just being real. You and I were not meant to do life alone. Now, this message is not about small groups, but I do need you to understand it is the heartbeat for what we do. You're going to hear it through everything that we do. And so we're getting ready to launch those in September. You'll hear more about it. But if you want to participate in leadership training, that will happen right here at 11 a.m. More information online. Okay, guys, we are a message note taking church. And what does that mean? It means we love to take notes here at One Life Church. Why? Because I dreamed of planning a church where I could inspire you and encourage you. But I dreamed of planning a church that wasn't like the church I grew up in. And let me just tell you what that means. When I was growing up, I'd have a great time at church. It was awesome. Good times. I love my pastor. Love my home church. But some people would ask me Sunday afternoon, man, how was church? I'm like, man, it was incredible. It was so awesome. And they're like, okay, well, like, what did the preacher preach about? I'm like, I have no idea. But let me tell you, we had so much fun. Did anybody else grow up in that church? Nothing wrong with that. Hey, you can say amen. You can loosen up. We're not holy people. Like we're, we're on this journey together, okay? And so I always dreamed of planning a church where we could have a ton of fun on Sunday. But when somebody asks you that question in the afternoon or maybe at work on Monday morning, hey, how is church? I know you've been inviting me. I mean, you've been talking about it. How was it? Man, it was great. What did the pastor talk about? Man, let me tell you, look at these notes right here. This is what God's word says about this. This is how you can apply this to your life. This is how life change will happen when you live this thing out. Can I get a good amen from all the note takers out there? So our notes provide you that. They're online at olc.church. If you're in the room, you can swipe down, click a button that says message notes. If you're online, there's a button that says sermon notes. You can follow along with us. So I'm excited today. I'm excited for a lot of reasons. Number one, because I haven't preached in a few weeks, but I'm more excited because I'm bringing you a message today. I want to teach you something that honestly, I believe, has the power to radically change your life and our world. And I mean that with all my heart. I honestly believe what I'm going to teach you today will take your relationship with God to a whole nother level. Come on. Amen. Y'all, I'll sit right here on the front. We'll just have a nice little conversation. I'm from the South, and I say whole nother level. Does anybody else know what that means? Nobody knows what that means? It means that your relationship with God will go from here to there. And it's so much fun. So I'm going to tell you, I haven't preached in a while, but we're going to have a good time today. We're going to laugh about this. I'm telling you, in fact, what I'm going to share with you today, if you will tap into it, it will provide a source of life, a breath of fresh air into you, and it will light up your world, and it will light up the world we're currently living in. So what do I want to talk to you today about? Well, you probably already guessed it. The name of the series is called Pray First. So what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about prayer. We're talking about prayer. Why? Well, let me start. I love this quote. We'll start with this. It's a man by the name of Samuel Chadwick. He was a pastor and author in the late 1800s, early 1900s. He said this about prayer, and it fired me up. He said, prayer turns ordinary mortals into men and women of power. Everybody say power. power. Come on, y'all got to say a little bit better than that. Say power. power. There you go. It brings power. Prayer brings fire. Prayer brings rain. It brings life. And here's the bottom line that I need you to catch today. It brings God. My friends, the power of prayer brings the presence of God into your life in such a powerful way. It changes everything. And so today I'm going to talk to you today and not only today, but over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to teach you how to pray. I'm going to tell you why it's important first. And I'm going to tell you how to apply it in your life. So let's answer this very simple question today. What is prayer? What is prayer? Think about it. I never want to assume that everybody knows the answer to this. So what is it? You ready? Look at this already on the screen. 
Prayer is a, say that word out loud, it's a conversation. It's a conversation with God. If you're taking notes, write that down. It's a conversation. I love this other quote here. It's another evangelist in the late 1800s, early 1900s. His name was R.A. Torrey. He said this about prayer. A conversation with God or prayer is the key that unlocks all the storehouses of God's infinite grace and power. So the way I like to say it is this, the prayer is the path to God's power and promises in your life. Can I get a good amen, somebody? Something happens when you pray. Something changes when you pray. Something that you cannot explain supernaturally transforms your heart, your mind, your life when you invite the presence of God and have conversations with God and involve him in the process of your life. And in fact, the reason you're even sitting in these chairs today is because of prayer. You don't believe me. Okay, listen to me. Uh, I'm from Alabama originally, born and raised, never been to Idaho in my life, but around 2015, God laid it on my heart as a part of my next ministry step to move to Idaho to plant a life-giving church called One Life Church. Can I just say something? I didn't even really know where Idaho was on the map at that point. I didn't know one single person in Idaho at that point, but I knew I loved potatoes. Come on, somebody. Where are you McDonald's French fry lovers in the house? Yes. Chick-fil-A's got some good fries, but I'm telling you what McDonald's is throwing down. They got the best. Anyways. So God speaks to me and my family and says, hey, in this next season, I, I would love for you to move your family to a place you've never known, to people you've never known, to just simply love them, serve them, add value to them, point them to my son, Jesus. And so the rest is history. We moved in 2018. We actually moved in January of 2018. You know you're from the South when you move 2,300 miles away from everything you've ever known across the country in January. Bro, I've never driven on snow in my life. All we ever had was ice in the South, and that was once every 10 years. We had two snowstorms we dodged when we were driving across the country. I'm like, Lord, you got a sense of humor. I had no idea. So we make it here. We get here. We had about $6,000 uh, in our church account at that point. And I'm just going to be honest with you. You need a lot more than $6,000 to plant a church and to live. Had no job. Had money in our savings account uh, from other investments and things we made and we cashed out on. So we were living off that in the, in the season. But I was just desperate for God. Still am. And so prayer was always an essential part of my life in that season still is. But I knew that if, as I prayed, God would send. And so over the net first, you know, the first nine months, we were meeting people, going out to coffee with people. Some of you are in this room today. You remember us kind of sitting down, talking and sharing vision and dreaming about what it would look like to plant a church like called One Life Church. And so by the grace of God, we had 55 people, you guys, show up and decide, hey, Come on, count me in. Let's do this, man. Let's love some people. Let's serve some people. And so I met with those 55 and I said, hey, before we even do this, I just need you to know we need God's presence and God's power to breathe into this thing because I'm not cool enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not old, but you know, hey, I'm over the hill, right? Uh, and, and I'm desperate. Like we've got to have God's presence because here's the thing. I know this. A great, eloquent message doesn't change lives. Um, cool lights, great music excellent kids ministry, all those things are wonderful and, and they're important, but none of that changes the heart, changes the life. The only thing 
that brings life change. You ready for this? It's the presence of God. So how do you access the presence of God? Well, we just did it this morning through worship. That's a part of it. But the most important thing that I think too many of us as Christians that we live without is this important process of prayer that is the path to God's power and his promises for our life. And so I led our team. I said, guys, we, we got to get on our face before God. We've really got to seek him because we need his help. And so guess what? We launched the church. And this is what I want to share with you. This is not to my glory. This is to God's glory. But 262 people showed up on the day that we launched the church, everybody. That's pretty cool, right? But even better, the good news was that seven people decided to make a life-changing decision and follow Jesus Christ. Come on, man, that's awesome. That's incredible. So if only just for those seven people, we were obedient and very happy and satisfied with what God called us to do, but we knew that there was more people to reach and different things to do. So, so we kept praying and we made uh, seasons of prayer a part of our lives. And so what we did was, can I just be honest with you? Like we've just continued just to be faithful and to serve. And I just want to share this number with you. It's, pretty num- it's a pretty cool number to celebrate. Um, in the, we're almost three years. It'll be three years this coming September 19th. But in almost three years, you guys, you ready for this? You want to know how many people have made decisions for Jesus because of the power of prayer? You ready for this? 350 people have made decisions to follow Jesus. Come on. God, to you be the glory. And that is... I just mean, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. Not to us be the glory, but to God be the glory. Something powerful happens when you pray. Things change in our life and in our world. And I would say that you, my friends, are changing the world one life at a time, no pun intended, by living your life in small groups and adding value to people everywhere you go in this city. So this is why I want to teach you how to pray, because I want you to experience God's presence. I want you to experience his promises, especially now more than ever. And so I'm always going to lead you through two seasons of prayer every year. Season of 21 days at the beginning of the year. And guess what? A season of 21 days of prayer starting today. So we're going to do 21 days of prayer. We do fasting in January. We're going to do some feasting, y'all, in the fall, you know. And so it's going to happen Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. at our church office located down the street in Caldwell over, it's basically kind of behind that Walmart in Caldwell. God bless Walmart. Uh, and Saturday at 9 a.m. And so if you want more information on what that looks like and the information, you can go to our website. You can click on a button that says 21 days or you can click that link right there. So I want to tell you, what does it look like if you were to show up at 21 days of prayer? Red, are you going to make us all join in a circle, hold hands and pray? No, it's not going to happen. What will happen though, we will start on time. So if you walk in a few minutes late, that's fine. But we will start on time and it more than likely will be me or one of our team members kind of presenting just a, uh, reading a couple verses of scripture to hopefully inspire you, to wake you up with, you know, uh, as we jump into the morning. And then as we do that, that'll be about 10 minutes after that, we'll just kind of turn the music up loud enough to where you can pray and nobody can hear you because that's awkward when it's super quiet, you know. And so we'll have the music up and we'll have that going for about 20, 25 minutes. And then at the end of that, one of us will just invite everybody just to, just to be a part of what we call corporate prayer. It's kind of like what I just did a moment ago when the worship team was praying and I prayed. And we just kind of walk through praying for you, praying for our family, praying for our nation, praying for you know, healing and just asking God to move on our behalf. And I'm telling you, if you'll participate, it will change your life. And it will begin to change our world. Why? Because there's something powerful that happens when you pray. And you just need to understand this. Prayer isn't something we do, everybody. It's who we are. 
It's who we are. As Christians, we have the privilege to pray, to access the throne room of God through the name of Jesus Christ. But not only is it a privilege, it's our responsibility. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Paul tells us, hey guys, I want you to rejoice always. Have a good time. And as you're rejoicing, I want you to pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. No, no, no. Some of you are like, what well, time out, time out, time out. Pastor Brett, are you telling me that I gotta stop my life, move across the, the world somewhere, become a monk, hit my knees and never come up for air and prayer? <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. In fact, that's not even what God's saying. God's simply saying, hey, my friends, he just wants you to involve him in the process of your everyday life. You're waking up, going to school as a student, going to work, at lunch, at home, in your finances, in every decision. He just wants you to involve him. Why? Well, look at the rest of the verse. You ready for this? For this is God's will. Some of y'all have been praying, God, what's your will? What's your will? I want to know your will. You ready? Here it is. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus to involve him in the process through prayer. So all of this is simply saying, you ready for this? That the secret to experiencing God's best in your life, you ready for this? The secret? The secret is prayer. It's a conversation with God. And that's why the heartbeat of our church, the rally cry of our church, two words, look at them, pray first. Everybody say pray first. Pray first. This is our rally cry. And in fact, this is such a big deal to us. We thought it would be a lot of fun to purchase some bracelets. That Guess what? What does it say on it? You ready for it? It says, pray first. So we created these bracelets so that you could wear them. And every day that you wake up, before you get your day started and grab your coffee, you look down and you're like, maybe I should pray first. Maybe before you go to that meeting, what would it look like if you were to, say it with me, pray first? Hey, what would it look like if before you responded to that text that you were to pray first? Or what would it look like before you got mad and reacted on social media and made that post and you were to what to pray first? I don't know, Pastor, you're stepping on my toes right now. We're just getting started. The big idea, what would it look like? Imagine for a moment what your life would look like if you were to pray first, to involve God in the process of your major purchases, of the things that you're thinking about doing, maybe that major decision that you have as a boss that will either make or break your company and you're not sure what to do. What would it look like if you were to pray first? Here's the big idea of today, wrapping it up in one sentence. You ready? Prayer should not be, or excuse me, prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Accessing the throne room of God through a conversation with God, through the power of Jesus Christ, should be our first response to every situation in our life, not our last resort. Guys, I don't know if you looked around lately, but are you seeing what I'm seeing? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? This world is hurting. This world is broken. This world is dealing with a lot of chaos, confusion. Everything that is bad is on the rise. Well, Pastor Red, I came to church to be encouraged. Why are you being such a Debbie Downer? <laughs> the reality is, guys, listen, suicide is up. Depression is up. 
Mental anxiety is up. Domestic violence is up. It's chaos. It's confusion. So here's the question. What are the men and women of God supposed to do? What are we called to do? Because the world is in some serious trouble. You ready for it? It's time for us to get back to God's word and God's promises. To realign our hearts with his. Let me show this to you. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If you grew up in church, I know you've heard this verse. If not, you need to understand this is the kind of God that we serve. It says, if my people, God's speaking, if my people, who, who's my people? That's the men and women of faith, the men and women who have put their hope and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the people who look to the God who created the heavens and the earth. God's saying that if those people, Christ followers, Christians who are called by my name will, read that word out loud, will what? Humble, humble, humble themselves. If we'll get rid of the pride, if we'll get rid of the arrogance, if we'll get rid of our self-promotion and our selfish ways, if we'll get rid of the me, myself, and I, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy, if we will humble ourselves and pray. Notice this together. We always talk about prayer, but a lot of times we leave out this humble part. There's a process to this. We're called to humble ourselves and have a conversation with God by seeking his face and we'll turn from our wicked ways. Now look at the promise of God. I love this. Then God says, will I hear from heaven and I will forgive. Come on, Jesus. Thank you so much for forgiving me for my hurt, my pain, my guilt, my shame, for saving me. Thank you for your grace. You've forgiven my sin and here's what our world needs and I will heal their land. Please do not miss what God is speaking to you this morning. When it comes to the healing of our land, when it comes to the healing of our nation, when it comes to the healing in this world, you and I, we have a part to play. And that part that we have to play in the process is prayer. He's coming before God humbling ourselves, asking God to first forgive us. Well, God, you need to forgive all them. They're the ones that are all messed up. God said, yeah, I'll take care of them, but I want to take care of you first. We forgive you, humble ourselves. We have a role to play, two words. We've already said it, and that is to pray first. This is the role we play. So today, I want to teach you how to pray first. And so I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Pastor Brad, I love God, man. Like, I love this church, but I can't stand praying. That makes me a bad Christian, right? If I were to actually admit that, it's okay. Can I tell you, to be honest with you, like prayer is probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to learn in my entire life. It has never come easy. And I'm gonna share with you some experiences here in a moment of why that was the case. But I get it. It doesn't make you any less of a Christian if you were to say, you know what, prayer is just hard for me. It's difficult. You know what it makes you? It makes you human. It makes you real it makes you authentic and God can work with that. And so again, many of us, we've had these bad experiences of prayer and it's hard for us and because we filter things through the things we've experienced in our life. Now for me, I gave my heart to Christ when I was 16 years old. And what, that, what does that mean? It means I just surrendered control. I said, God, I recognize who you are as the creator of the earth. And I recognize that you gave your son Jesus to pay for my sin. And I want in on some eternal life in heaven. And so I put my faith in you. I believe in you. Forgive me, change me. Let's do this. That's what salvation was for me. And I was a part of a life-giving church. They all meant well. It was great. And I was in the youth group in the 90s, baby. Where are all my 90s youth group people at? Anybody in the house? 
No, just a few of you. So we would do these things called prayer circles. Anybody know what a prayer circle is? It's a weird thing Christians do. Uh, so basically it looks like this. Your youth leader would say, okay, guys, all middle school, high schoolers, I want y'all to all grab hands and join in a circle, which by the way, middle school and high schoolers in that age, the last thing they need to do is be grabbing everybody else's hand. I'm just saying, okay. But we grab hands and they're like, okay, now Johnny, you pray. And then when you're done praying, you squeeze Sally's hand. And when you squeeze her hand, Sally, then you pray. And then Sally, when you're done, you squeeze, you know, Billy's hand. And when Billy's done, then you squeeze. So you get the process. It's squeeze, pray, squeeze. It keeps going around the circle. It's awkward, right? And so here I am, new in my faith. We're doing a prayer circle. Youth pastor means well, all gathered up. Guess where I always ended up in the prayer circle? At the end. (laughs) You know what happens at the end? It means as you stand there, And as the prayer gets started, you hear Paul praying the paint off the wall. Oh God, thus saith the Lord, the creator of vast heavens and the earth. And I'm like, one eye open, one eye closed. Like what in the world? And then he does a squeeze, squeeze over to Sally. And Sally's like, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. You got Alex over there going, amen, amen, amen. You got Larry over there going, woo, Lord Jesus, this is great. You got Becky over there blinding, I mean, binding the spirit of Satan in the name of Jesus. And I'm just going, what is happening? And you know what's happening. I'm at the end of the line. And I just went through that whole process and I'm new in my faith and I don't know how to pray like that because those are some super Christians, right? And so my hands are sweaty, I'm nervous. And when Sister Sally gets done praying, she squeezes my hand, I go, squeeze, squeeze. Because <laughs> I ain't got nothing to say. How can I compete with that? I'm like, amen, what they said, Jesus. <laughs> Anybody else ever experienced that? If you grew up in church any at all, you probably experienced some of that. Here, you know, the world, this is the world's prayers when they think of church. And this is just a creepy prayer. If you're praying this with your kids, please stop. The prayer goes like this. Um, now I lay me down to sleep. Oh, so cute. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die... Really? If you die, little Johnny, tonight, before you wake, pray the Lord my soul to take it. Right? Come on, man. That's creepy. You're freaking your kids out. Stop. Nobody wants to pray to a God like that. Stop. I'm trying to have a little bit of fun, but we've had some bad representations in our life, haven't we not? Today, I want to help you. I want to make prayer fun for you. I want to make it enjoyable. In fact, I believe if I can just share this revelation to you today, my hope and my prayer is that your eyes open to this and you begin to experience something powerful. I want to teach you how to have a conversation with God that changes your life, but more than that also changes our world. Let's look at Luke chapter 11, verse one. So what did Jesus have to say about this? It's important. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples pulled him to the side and said, Lord, will you teach us to pray? Now, if you just keep moving there, you'll kind of miss what's happening. See, I need you to understand one thing. The disciples knew how to pray. 
Because every good Jewish boy would have grown up reading the Torah or having the Torah read to them and being taught prayers to recite. So they had recital prayers, just like you would say, uh, you know, God bless the food, amen. They had the same type of prayers. So they knew how to pray. So they weren't asking how to pray. Then what were they asking? They were saying, Jesus, man, when you pray and you talk to God, something happens. Something is real. I can't explain it. Sometimes I feel it. Sometimes I don't. But there's a change happening in this environment. And whatever it is, Jesus, will you teach me to pray like that? Because whatever that is, that's real. All these recited prayers and things I grew up saying, like none of that's changing my life. But the way you pray, it's just, there's something different about it, Jesus. Will you teach me? This is what's happening in this moment. So Jesus responds with a prayer that, we Christians like to create a religion around, and that is the Lord's Prayer. Now the Lord's Prayer has become some kind of recited liturgy, and there's nothing wrong with reciting the prayer itself. It's beautiful words, and it's powerful just as it stands by itself. But Jesus never gave us the Lord's Prayer just to recite the words. Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer to teach his disciples and to teach us today in 2021 a guide on how to approach God in a conversation that brings change in your life, in the world, and actually makes it fun and enjoyable. And so there are seven things Jesus goes on to teach us in Matthew chapter six, verse nine through 13, when he's asked about this. And by the way, this reference is in Luke and Matthew. I'm just reading Matthew's version. And I'm telling you, if you'll get this revelation, it'll change everything. Look at this, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but God deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Right, we've all heard this. Most of us have. Even if you've never grew up in church, you have probably heard this reference even on a movie at some point. So there's seven things in this that I want to present to you today that Jesus shows us as a guide when it comes to approaching God. Now, due to time's sake and some of you advanced note takers, you've already scrolled down. You're like, well, Pastor, there's only three like points here. Where's all seven? I'm gonna give you the other four next week, okay? But I'm gonna start with the first three. So let's look at the first thing that Jesus teaches us. He says this right here, our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven. Everybody say Father. Father. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, hey guys, when it comes to prayer, this is where you've been missing it. You've been missing the relational connection. Before you do anything else, when you approach God, you need to first, write this down if you're taking notes, connect with God relationally. You got to connect with God relationally. In other words, it's time to start being real and authentic in your prayers. It's time to stop bringing rehearsed prayers. It's time to stop being so formal. It's time to be you. It's time to come close to God and say, God, I don't even really know what to say, but God, I just want to be close to you as my father. Come on, parents, you get this, man. And any parents in the room that have kids, like you, you get it. There is nothing greater than when your kids just want to hang out with you. They come into the room, you're working on something. You think at first they want something. They're like, no, I just want to hang out with you, dad. I'm like, whoo, come on, Lord Jesus. That melts my heart as a dad. It doesn't happen that often, but it melts my heart when it does. 
as now I have a 13-year-old. Lord, help me. He's a great kid. But I'm saying there's something powerful about a connection relationally. And God wants you to approach him. Are you ready for this? As a son or daughter. Because he's your father. Because my friends, you need to understand that you are not a servant and you are not a slave. You are a son or you are a daughter of the most high living God. Created in the likeness of God as a masterpiece on purpose for a purpose. I'm telling you, that's a great place to say amen, by the way. That's good preaching. Thank you, Pastor Ed. Look at Romans 8, 15. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. If you're approaching God in fear, in other words, if you're approaching him in your prayers, God, I'm so, like, I'm such a wretched, horrible person. And God, will you please not strike me down? I mean, just, I, I just need to be able to, I just need your help. And I know I haven't come to you in a long time. And I know, I know I don't even deserve you to turn your ear to me, but God, oh God. Like if that's your approach, my friends, you have the wrong view of God. Your view of God determines your relationship with him. And God is a father. Look at the rest of the verse. Instead, no, 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 you're not slaves. No, when you gave your heart to Christ and surrendered your life to him through Jesus, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his, look at that word, I love it, as his own children. You're a child. You're either a son or daughter of the living God. How awesome is that? Goes on to say, now we call him Abba Father. Abba, that is a Greek word that is equivalent to us saying daddy. Like you're a part of the family and God is no longer distant. God is close as a loving father whom you can call dad. And by the way, God's favorite name for you to call him is dad, his father. And so every day I would just encourage you when you pray before you, listen, God knows you've got some needs. God knows the world's got some needs, but something powerful happens in your own life. The presence of God shows up in a powerful way, begins to transform you and your situation when you begin to approach him first as a father. So it's like, God, like right when my eyes open in the morning, Father, I love you. And if that's all you got, that's good enough. There's something about recognizing God first as a father. And Jesus teaches us this. Just trying to teach you how to, how to, how to have a conversation with God that would change your life and change our world. The second thing, Jesus said, now that you approach him as a father, now he says, hallowed be your name. Everybody say hallowed. That's a mouthful, isn't it? We don't really use that word today often. It, what the word really means, it means to revere with the utmost respect and honor to his name. So in other words, we need to take the time, to, take the time to write, write this down, to worship his name, to worship his name. Now, by the way, can I just say this? Worshiping his name isn't just three songs on a Sunday. Worshiping his name isn't just a phrase we say, God, I worship you. No, 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 no. It's more than that. There is power and there is purpose in the name of Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. His name is greater than anything. There's power in his name. 
Proverbs 18.10 says this, God's name is a place of protection. It's a place of protection. God's name is a place of protection where the righteous can run to and find safety. And I know what some of you are thinking, well, see, that's my problem right there, Pastor Ed. I'm not righteous. And I go, I get it. I'm not either. Not in my own self. The only way you and I are made righteous is through one person. His name is Jesus. He's the son of God. We are made in right standing when we put our faith and trust in the grace, the unmerited favor that is Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ alone. Because his blood was the only blood that was shed to remove the veil of sin and darkness to bring us close and back into a relationship with God. And so when God sees us as Christians, he doesn't see our mistakes. He doesn't see our past. He doesn't see our pain. You know what he sees? He sees Jesus He sees the blood that was shed that covers and cleansed you. Man, I'm telling you, this is good news today. You, my friends, are made righteous through Christ and Christ alone. Therefore, in his name, you can find safety. So if there's power and there's protection in his name, and there is, here's the question, what are they? What are his names? Because God has a name more than just God. I'm going to give you a few of them. Put this on the screen. Look at this. Uh, One of his names means righteousness, healer. Shepherd, provider, sanctifier, banner of victory, peace. Okay, Rhett, that's awesome. I mean, like, how do you apply this? What does that look like in prayer? Okay, this is what it looks like. God, before I start my day, I just want to admit I, I love you. You're my father, and I'm your son. And I don't always quite understand how that works, but I'm, thank you. God, I want to worship your name today. God, your word teaches me that you're my righteousness. Like, I'm not made right with you, God, because of anything that I could ever do. I'm made right with you because of what you've done for me and what's already been done through Jesus. And I worship the fact that, God, you are my righteousness. God, you're my healer. God, I know right now I'm dealing with sickness and disease in my body. And I see things and it's like I'm experiencing pain and hurt. But I know your word says that by the stripes of Jesus, not only are my sins forgiven, but my body's healed. And so I claim healing. I run to the name that you are my healer. God, I run to the name that you're my shepherd. I worship in fact, God, that you are so good. You are so loving. You are so kind that you make me lie down in green pastures to find rest. You lead me into still places around quiet waters. God, your rod and your staff, They comfort me. They protect me. I worship the fact that I can trust you as my provider. God, my job is not provider. Not at all. You are my provider. And I look to you, not my bank account, not my boss, not the government. You and you alone. God, you can make streams in the desert. You can make water come out of a rock. Lord, you can raise the dead to life. You can provide my every need. God, I worship the name that you're my sanctifier. God, you have set me apart. You've got a plan and a purpose for my life. And I wanna say thank you, God, you're my banner of victory. The enemy may come at me in one way, but he's got to flee in seven in the name of Jesus because I'm a son of the most high living God. And the promise of God in my life. And I have peace. And I worship the fact that this world is not going to stress me out. 
Social media is not going to stress me out. CNN, NBC, ABC, Fox, and all all that, none of that's going to stress me out. Why? Because Jesus Christ, his power, his presence, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives within me, and I'm experiencing life and peace that transcends my understanding. It guards my heart, my mind, and allows me to live this life despite the chaos. Now, some of you are thinking, Brad, I don't know all that stuff. That's pretty eloquent. I've been serving the Lord 28 years. You know how this first started with me? God, thank you that you're my righteousness. I praise you for that. I don't really understand what that means, but I know that you are, and I trust that, God, you're my healer. You know, and I don't even really know exactly how it all works, but, God, I'm going to worship that name. You're my shepherd, provider, sanctifier, banner of victory, peace. But as you grow in your relationship, you begin to start understanding things, and you're just like a conversation with a friend over time you find other things that you can talk about. And that's what I'm delivering to you today. There's power to change your life and to change our world when you invite God into the process and you look to God as a father and you begin to worship his name. Notice, notice in this process, we have not even begun to talk about our own needs yet. Have you noticed that? It's all about who? It's all about God. Jesus taught us that when we pray, And I'm going to close with this. And this is the third point. We'll catch the other four next week. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is this saying? In other words, Jesus is saying it's time that we pray his agenda first. His agenda. The challenge is for many of us as Christians is that we bought into the world's way of communication. Think about this for a second. I'm going to reference the great American philosopher, Toby Keith. (laughs) What did he say? He said, I want to talk about me. I want to talk about I. In fact, I want to talk about number one on my, me, my, what I think, what I like, what I want, what I know, what I see. I like talking about you usually, but God, I just really want to talk about me. Come on, don't get holy up in here and act like you don't know who Toby Keith is. I know you've been cranking that on the radio. This is Idaho, baby. You know what I'm saying? It's a fun song, but it makes a miserable way to live your life. And it's not the way to approach God first. God's way is quite the opposite. Jesus is saying, guys, I need you to understand that if you want your life to change and you want this world to change, it starts with his kingdom, his purpose, his plan. Not your plan, not my plan. Not your kingdom, not my kingdom. God's plan, God's purpose. Your plan might be great, but I'm telling you, God's plan is greater. And Jesus said, if you want to experience this kind of power and transformation, it's time to get your eyes off of you and your eyes onto others. His plan. Matthew six thirty three. But seek first. Whose kingdom? Your kingdom? The government's kingdom? My kingdom? No, no, no. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and look at the promise of God. When you do things in the right order, look at it. All these things, what are these things? Blessings, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, joy, fulfillment, provision the things that listen God already knows what you need before you even know that you need it and I'm telling you when you align your heart to his will and his plan it's amazing how he's like man that's my son 
That's my daughter. Look at them. I mean, they got all these things going on in their life, but yet they're honoring me first. I'm telling you, it gets his attention. Something powerful happens in your own life, and this is how we change the world. Look at Luke 12, 31. It says, he will always, everybody say always. He always gives you what you need from day to day when and if you will make the kingdom of God your primary concern. God's kingdom, your concern. So here's the question. If God wants to take care of every one of our needs and it comes from making his kingdom a primary concern, then what is his, what's the kingdom about? What's his agenda? Like, what is he looking for? I think that's important to ask. Like, if if that's what we're supposed to do, we'll, we'll look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Jesus said, hey, my friends, I came. The Son of Man came. The reason I came, Jesus said, is to seek and to save the lost. You want to know what God's agenda is? It ain't you unless you're lost. He loves you and you're his son and you're his daughter and you have access to all his good things and his promises in your life. But I'm telling you right now, what is he distracted by? He's distracted by that which is lost, broken, hurting, wounded, hurting. That's what he's looking for right now. So if you want to have conversations with God that change your life and change your world, if you want prayer to be fun, if you want to experience the fulfillness of God, it's time to align our hearts with his, get our eyes off of ourselves, and on to one word, others, others. Guys, the greatest prayer that will ever change your life and change your world begins when you pray first for others. It's an others type of life. So here's my prayer. God, since this is the case and you're teaching me how I can experience your presence, first of all, you're my father. I worship your name. I align my heart with yours. I pray for what's on your prayer list. You know I got needs, God. You know them. But right now I'm gonna align my heart with really what's on your your prayer list first and I'm gonna pray for the lost. And I pray that you would even send the lost to one life or another life-giving church and create opportunities for them to come to know you. I'm telling you, when you begin to align your life this way, it changes everything. It changes everything. I'm gonna go one step further as it close. In fact, I just need you to understand this truth and I'm just gonna prepare you for it in advance. I'm about to step on your toes and my toes, okay? But his agenda goes far beyond just the lost. Look at this. You ready? First Timothy chapter two, one through four. Take a deep breath in, breathe out. Most of all, in fact, Paul in another translation, it says, I urge, like above all else, I urge you most of all, I'm writing this to encourage you to pray with gratitude to God and pray for all, everybody say all, all men and women with all forms of prayers and requests as you intercede. In other words, as you have a conversation with God with intense passion. Now look at the rest of the verse. Look at what it says. And then complain on social media about every political leader and representative, because that's what I want you to do. (laughs) I'm sorry, wait, does it say that? No, it doesn't say that. What does it say? God, you want me to pray for all men and pray for every political leader and representative? But I didn't vote for them. I ain't gonna pray for somebody I didn't vote for, Lord.
You want to experience the power and presence of God in your life? You want to change this world? You got to stop posting crazy comments on social media about people you like or don't like. It doesn't vaccine or no vaccine. Mask, double mask or no mask. Whether you voted for a person or whether you didn't. Well, Pastor Rat, this was written back in the day where they had some good leaders in place. They didn't really know what they were talking about. They didn't know the world was going to get as crazy as it is right now. Let me give you some backstory to this verse. When Paul wrote this and instructed the church in that day, guess who the king of their land was at that time? Nero. You know what Nero did? He found delight in entertainment in torturing and killing Christians. Can I tell you, America's bad right now, but it ain't that bad yet. Because I don't know about you, but ain't nobody throwing us into a lion's den and us getting mauled just for the fact that we love Jesus and we go to church every Sunday. That was happening that day. And by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God spoke through them and said, even if Nero is your leader, I need you to pray for them. I need you to pray for the president. I need you to pray for the Supreme Court. I need you to pray for Congress. I need you to pray for your governors. I need you to pray for your senators. I need you to pray for your city council. I need you to stop posting crazy stuff on social media because you're either building a bridge or you're building a wall. And if you want to change your life and you want to change this world, it is time that we align our heart with his. And his heart is about others, whether we agree or disagree. How do we change the world? Prayer, the presence of God, aligning our heart with what's important to him. Why? Look at the rest of the verse. So that we would be able to live what we're all hoping to live again someday. Tranquil, peaceful, undisturbed lives. As we worship the awe-inspiring God with two words, with pure hearts pure hearts. Don't miss the pure heart part. This is not in your notes, but in scripture, David in Psalms, I believe Psalm 24, three through four, he asked a rhetorical question. He said, God, who may ascend your holy hill? In other words, he says, who may stand in your presence? Basically so that their lives can be changed and the world can be changed. And he knew the answer. And so he wrote it by the inspiration of God. And, he, and God says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. And a pure heart. But God, I, I really don't understand why you would even put this in the Bible. Maybe some of you are thinking that. I get it. Why in the world would I pray for somebody that I completely disagree with? That makes no sense. I don't get it, God. Can I just tell you this in the most life-giving, encouraging way? It doesn't matter whether you understand it or not. You just simply need to know the rest of this verse. Are you ready for this? Look at this. You have to know that this kind of living, it is pleasing. It's pleasing. He takes delight in it. It's the joy of his heart. Puts a smile on his face to pray for them. Why? Because there's his agenda. Here's his purpose. You ready? He longs for everyone, including the people you disagree with right now. He longs for them to embrace salvation. He longs for the world to embrace salvation, his life. And he wants them to return to the full knowledge of the truth. Because when you know the truth, Jesus said, what happens? The truth shall set you free, John 8, 32. And if the son sets you free, then hey, you're free indeed. 
you if my people. God, why aren't you doing anything, Lord? Well, if my people. I'm frustrated, God. I'm gonna let the world know about it. Well, what are you gonna do? But if my people will humble themselves, get beyond their selfish, pride, arrogant ways, come to the feet of Jesus and just ask God to be involved in their own life first, then I will heal their land. Will you bow your head and close your eyes all across this room? I love you so much. I know that this could be a tough message to kind of take in, but I just need you to, I hope my prayer is that you understand the power and the importance of what God wants to do in your life and in this nation and in our world. Nothing will ever change without his presence, but he works through his church, the sons and daughters of God. And it's so important that we come back to a place where we understand how to even approach God so that our lives can be changed, so that we can change the world. And so God, today, as we just surrender our hearts to you in this moment and just experience your presence in this place, I ask that you give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation to see clearly that, Lord, maybe we've been going about this prayer thing the, whole, the wrong way. I didn't realize it was that important. In fact, I didn't even know there was really some protocol of how to approach you to where you, you hear, listen, respond, and deliver. And Lord, it really starts with coming to you relationally first. Help us to see that. May I walk that out. God, I pray that we would then begin just to lean in to worship your name. And then we would pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Pray for the lost and pray for our leaders so that we can really truly see change in our world. It starts with us, Lord, as your church. So search our hearts, search our minds, God. Find if there's anything that stands before us in you right now, we repent of it. We lay it at your feet. Forgive us, heal us. I pray. We love you. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, some of you are here today, maybe even online, and you're thinking, man, I don't even have a relationship with God. I would love to know how to do that. It would be my honor to say a simple prayer with you today. I said a prayer like this when I was 16 years old and my life began to transform at that point. You can experience life, fulfillment, hope, peace, and your name will be written in a book that the Bible teaches us called the Lamb's Book of Life. It means you'll have eternal life forever. If you'll just simply believe that God's son, Jesus Christ, is the savior of the world who died to take away your sin so you can have a relationship with God. So if you're here today or online, if you're here today and say, you know what, Pastor Red, I've never had a relationship with God. Or maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what, I once did, I walked away, I'm coming home today. Whoever you are, will you be so bold as to raise your hand right now all across the room? Come on, let me know who you are. Be so bold. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Greatest decision of your entire life. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Would everybody just say a prayer like this? I mean it with all your heart. Just say, God, thank you for wanting to have a relationship with me. Thank you for Jesus. I believe you're the son of God. And I put my faith and trust in you today. Forgive me, change me, come live on the inside of me. I give you everything in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, throw your hands together and welcome those who just came into the family of God. That is so incredible. Way to go. Hey, here in a moment, we're gonna continue to worship the Lord with our giving. And I want you to know there are three ways that you can give. And I want you to hear my heart. If you're our guest here today, or maybe joining us online, please know that there's no pressure. There's no obligation to give. This service today, this is our gift to you. But this moment that we're about to go into is a time of worship for those who call One Life Church home. And so I've never asked anybody in our church ever in the history of our church to give. 
but I've always asked you to ask God if you should participate. And I wanna do the same today. Ask God, God, should I be involved in this process of generosity? And however God speaks to you, I wanna just encourage you to respond to that. God loves a cheerful giver. My friends, you're making a difference locally, nationally, and around the world. You really are because of your giving. We're able to do what we do here because of your generosity. And I wanna say thank you for being the most generous church on the planet. Thank you for that. Hey, listen, if you made a decision today, that connect card that was in your worship guide, it's a safe card to fill out. Would you mark the card and let us know? Um, And this is what's gonna happen if you'll do that. I'm not gonna call you. I'm not gonna show up at your house, but all I would simply like to do is send you one email saying congratulations and give you some next steps. One of those next steps would be a class we call Discover in the summer. It happens on the fourth Sunday of the month at our office in Caldwell. It is a registered event. It's an opportunity for me to meet you along with our team and to have an opportunity to share with you the vision of why crazy boy from Alabama would move all the way to Idaho to plant a church, to love you, to serve you, and to see you live in your best life. And so if you wanna know more about what it looks like to become a member of One Life Church, this is your opportunity. All right, will you stand with me all across the room? I love you so much. God loves you. I'm gonna pray for you. As I say amen, we're gonna sing one last song of worship. As that song ends, you'll be dismissed. You'll see two gentlemen at the doors with containers. You can put your connection guard in that container on your way out as well as your prayer requests that are on that connection card as well as any gift that maybe the Lord spoke to you to give today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you. I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for your love to us. I thank you for your grace. God, I thank you for every gift and every giver. I pray blessing over them now in the name of Jesus. Protection, favor, strength. God, I pray that the peace of God that transcends all understanding would guard their heart and their mind in Christ Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus and everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. Give our God best one more time.